0: This moment outdoors is brought to you by LL Bean, official partner of the National Park Foundation for the Find Your Park movement. I lived in Chicago for 16 years before becoming a full-time traveler. And every one of those 16 years was nearly void of stars in the nighttime sky. In fact, on an overcast night, the sky was lit with an orange haze until morning from the nearly 300,000 sodium vapor street lamps that blanket the city in a constant glow. 80% of the world's population lives under what's called sky glow. In the United States and Europe, 99% of the public can't experience a natural night. Light is helpful to people, of course, but it's also one of our greatest pollutants. Artificial light brings disastrous consequences to wildlife, especially birds, bats, insects, and sea turtles. This episode is a little different than most of our shows. We travel to Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, where for generations the night sky helped the original Polynesian sailors find their way across the sea. The audio comes from the park's Voices of Science series, hosted by Brittany Connell, who talks with experts about light pollution and how the park is working to eradicate it.
1: For the National Park Service, I'm Brittany Connell, and you're listening to Voices of Science, In a study published in 2016, an international group of scientists said that 80% of Americans and fully one-third of people living on Earth can no longer see the Milky Way because of light pollution. Talking with Pascal Nelson on a late summer Hawaiian night, that statement is hard to grasp.
2: I couldn't imagine living a life without being able to see the Milky Way, to see the stars. It makes all the difference in the world to how I see myself as a human being. And one of the things that always drove me as a person interested in astronomy is to always look up.
1: Pascal's been looking up for most of his life. Hours spent gazing at the Milky Way as a kid led to study in astrophysics. Now retired, Pascal volunteers at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, where he gives talks about the night sky and shows people the stars through telescopes. He says that the clear night sky has been a critical part of the human experience for millennia and that here in Hawaii, the night sky helped make history.
2: The uh, settlement of these islands was a a great uh, quest in human history that uh, was by no means assured. And yet hundreds or even thousands of years ago, the islands were settled by people who dared to reach out, dared to put... You know, an oar in the water and put their bodies in a canoe and launch out into that ocean and find their way across trackless expanses.
1: And to do that, they needed the night.
2: They had to look up in the sky, they had to look at the stars and how they moved and where they rose, and where they set, and where they went across the sky. And they developed the, um, the ability to look at that sky with such incredible insight that it told them where they were on the ocean, and how they go across thousands of miles from one island to another, which they did for, uh, for many generations.
1: Now with so much simulated daylight around the world, that kind of connection with the night sky is harder to maintain. But Pascal says that out here on Hawaii Island, away from the light pollution that's common in other places, the park is an ideal spot to look out into the ocean of space.
2: The sky is just ultra transparent here. It's very dark. It's one of the darkest places on the face of the earth.
1: And that darkness is something that both Pascal and Hawaii Volcanoes National Park want to protect.
3: The dark skies are really important. They're, um, a lot of people don't realize that they're actually a resource. Danielle Foster is an environmental protection
1: specialist in the park. She's part of a team that's working to preserve the night sky.
3: Most people think of wildlife and plants and um, historic structures as resources, but we also have night skies and they're really important resources. It's something that people overlook, they take for granted, but they don't know how to put it into words, I think. The night sky has value.
1: Like the original Polynesian wayfinders
3: maneuvering under the stars, Danielle says there are others who need the dark. We have a lot of sensitive species here in Hawaii. I mean, everybody has sensitive species, but we have our night-flying seabirds, so the, the white lights can disorient the birds. They
0: can The fly.
1: endangered Hawaiian petrels can get so confused by artificial lighting that they collide with buildings or just fall to the ground. Once down, they're vulnerable. They can become an easy meal or get hit by cars. And sometimes, young birds can't figure out how to take off again, and they starve. Sea turtles are disoriented by coastal lighting, too. Every year, countless turtle hatchlings around the world scramble inland toward brightly lit developed areas and die, instead of moving out to sea. For billions of years, life on Earth has evolved with, and depended on, the steady drumbeat of the circadian rhythm. Day into night, night into day, day into night, night day into, into day, night, night into day. day into night, night into day. Most species, including humans, rely on these light cues for things like sleeping or eating or finding protective cover. And when light pollution spills into the night sky, it masks the darkness. The circadian rhythm gets disrupted. And although the consequences of that are not fully understood, scientists think that the effects on both humans and animals are significant.
3: So it's important for us to just make sure that we are doing the right thing, having all our fixtures be the right type of fixtures and the right type of bulbs to protect the dark skies.
1: Because, Danielle says, it's not that all lights are bad. It's just when there are too many lights or the lights are too bright or haphazardly directed that
3: it's a problem. But for that, she said, there's a fix. That's really easy. We have three golden rules to dark sky friendly lighting. Rule number one. Keep it low, meaning keep it as low to the ground or low in height as is necessary for the application and also low in lumens. You don't want to put a huge... High wattage bulb in if you can get away with something smaller. Rule number two. Keep it shielded. Meaning keep the bulbs covered with a shade that directs the light downward. So making sure that it's keeping the light going to where you need it. And rule number three. And then keep it long. Keep it long wavelengths. Meaning the color of the bulb. So 560 nanometers and greater is the best. And that would be an amber colored bulb. Although yellow is okay, amber is better. So keep it low keep it shielded, and keep it long in the color spectrum. Because it makes sense not just to protect the dark skies, but there's a lot of studies that show energy efficiency. Because you're lighting exactly what you need, you need less lumens, so your bulbs are less energy consumptive. And that saves money.
1: It's kind of counterintuitive to think that less is more when it comes to illuminating the night. Danielle
3: says she's had a lot of conversations like that with people. They still think that having their yard blaster light that comes on every time something moves is good. They don't realize the effects it could have on the night sky. And also that it's not necessarily helping them see things in the dark because your eyes dilate and then you can't see outside that bright white. So you're missing things that are in the shadows, right? And now with the corrected fixtures, it lights exactly where you need the light. And you can see the steps, you can see the doorknob, it's just amazing. So not only are we protecting our dark skies, we're helping the safety and the um, transit of people around in the dark. So it's a good thing.
1: Danielle and others at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park are incorporating dark sky friendly lighting into nearly all of the park's infrastructure. Those changes will help the park seek designation as an official Dark Sky Park from the International Dark Sky Association. That means the park would be recognized for its exceptional starry nights and nocturnal habitats. Staff also work collaboratively with people living outside the park to bring dark sky friendly lighting into their communities.
3: We, we need to pay attention to what we're doing and, and our neighbors need to pay attention to what they're doing so that we can maintain our world-class dark night skies into the future for the next generations.
1: The perpetual turning of the planet, now day, now night, sustains us all, biologically, ecologically. And there's a profound mystery to the night that we need, too. The night sky is part of our heritage. It tells us where we came from. And it inspires curiosity that points toward the future. Protecting the night sky also protects that sense of wonder. Pascal Nelson says that being able to gaze deeply into the heavens keeps us reaching. What's out there?
2: Like I said, uh, there are people that have, um, you know, testified that uh, looking through that telescope changed their lives. It gave them a completely different um, perspective on the universe. The thing that uh, I always come back to is that connectivity. You know, we are not uh, uh, something apart from this. We are a product of this whole process.
1: Voices of Science is produced by the National Park Service in cooperation with the Acoustic Atlas at Montana State University. Our staff includes Jennifer Jarrett, David Restivo, Sarah Molina, and me, Brittany Connell. Special thanks to Jessica Farrakane, Danielle Foster, and Pascal Nelson at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. To learn more about the park, visit their website at nps.gov H-A-V-O. Find more episodes of Voices of Science at go.nps.gov V-O-S. Thanks for listening.
0: Hawaii Volcanoes National Park protects some of the most unique geological, biological, and cultural landscapes in the world. Extending from sea level to the summit of Mauna Loa at 13,677 feet. The park includes the summits of two of the world's most active volcanoes. It's yet to become an official international dark sky park, but nearly 30 National Park Service sites enjoy that designation, as well as a couple dozen state parks. In most of these places, the National Park Service hosts night sky programs where you can view the wonders of the solar system with the guidance of a ranger and high-powered telescopes. For more information about international dark sky parks, visit darksky.org. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group, which is now over 30,000 members strong. We'll link to all of our social media as well as the other episodes in the Voices of Science series in the show notes at nationalparkpodcast.com. If you're interested in RV travel, give us a listen over at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys at our OurWanderingFamily.com This
2: land is your land This land is my land From California To the New York Island From the Redwood Forest To the Gulf Stream waters This land made for you and me.
0: Today's show was sponsored by LL Bean. Follow the hashtag beANOutsider and visit llbean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks.